I want you to go to Revelation 7, and I want to, I want to have a conversation today. Um, I was teasing my staff in our meeting early this morning just to kind of run over our routine. I said, I don't have any points to this message, and I don't think I've ever preached a pointless message in my life. I hope not. So if you're online and you're with the Bible app, you'll see a different outline for us. I want to take just a moment to be personal, or if you don't mind, a personal story. I trust that some of you I know will identify. I I had a wonderful, and let me say horrible or a difficult, and then a wonderful Thanksgiving. Well, Pastor, what in the world would lead you to say that? I had a wonderful Thanksgiving. My, I, in spite of what some of the people say, you can't have too many at the house. I'm, if I'm going to have Thanksgiving, I'm going to have my family at my house. End of story. <laughs> um, I, my two sons came home. My daughter's in love, my grandkids, and... Uh, we were set to have, to be honest with you, I guess about one of the first Thanksgivings we've all had together because we've always gone to my mom's or Linda's folks, and even after 51 years of marriage, we finally had Thanksgiving at our house. It was kind of fun. We got up at 5.30, me and my two sons, and we drove about an hour and a half south to see my mom. She's 93 years old in a nursing home and or assisted living home. And we got out, went to the glass, and they brought her to the window, and we could only put hands together with glass between us. And we were there to say hi to Mom on Thanksgiving. That next 30, 45 minutes was some of the best, worst times that you could ever imagine. Just to be, I realize that most of you know that I'm a sentimental granny. I understand that. I am too much of a soft touch, I, I know. Um, But we were there visiting with mom, and she would just break down and cry. When my mom cries, I have a problem. I just want to fix it. I can't. Mom, just don't, don't, whatever you don't cry. It just, it goes to the core of me, and I can't hardly stand it. And uh, so our boys, we were talking, and she said, I pray for you boys every day, son. I pray for you, and, and I pray for your families, and you can write that down. 93 years old and just a fiery little lady still, and we had a good visit until it came time to say goodbye. That was all wonderful. Here's the horrible part of it. When I said, Mom, we have to go, she was going, get me out of here, take me with you. I feel like I'm in a prison. I've tried to live the best I can, and I feel locked up in this, and been there since March, not being able to get outside. (laughs) And... uh, I kept trying to say goodbye and trying to say goodbye, and then we were, mom cries, we're sort of overcome with emotion, and we walked away. About 30 yards to the parking lot, my two sons, you know, when you, when you get older, they put you in the back seat. <laughs> and maybe, no, you get demoted. <laughs> Dad, I'm driving. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I've kept them safe all their life, but now they know more than I do. Yeah. We got in the truck. I didn't expect it. My young son just began to weep. Quint, he began to weep. I sat in the back seat, and we sat there for probably some three minutes, which seemed a long time, and not a word was said. 
because we had said goodbye to somebody we loved dearly. And I, I, I hope you understand the tremendous pleasure and the tremendous fulfillment of being in love with somebody and loving somebody and then knowing the pain of love. It's one of the most cross-pulled experiences you'll ever know. And young people, if you have any idea how much mom and dad love you, let me tell you. I don't know how my mom and dad taught me, but the one thing I never wanted to do was ever bring them pain. And I tried to live my life the best I could so that I never brought them pain. Blew it a few times, but thank God parents are patient. That, that experience is an experience that I wish everybody knew because I've learned through the ministry many families don't have that. And I begin to thank the Lord that I was raised in a, in a, in a church and in a Christian home with values. I kept my grandparents' values. I kept my mom and dad's values. Now my sons keep our values. And ladies and gentlemen, we know if they blow this thing up, we know where we're headed. Thank you, Lord. A dead atheist lay in a casket. All dressed in his finest suit, a friend gazed at him in his casket, knowing of his unbelief in the hereafter. And his friend said, look at him, all dressed up and nowhere to go. I want to declare to you that both my grandfathers and both my grandmothers, my uncles and aunts and my dad, and this last year in January, a cousin, I want to declare to you they all had somewhere to go. Long life and years and time had taken their toll on their bodies. We gathered family and friends. We sang the songs of faith. We vented and shared our emotional sadness and the pleasure and the pain of love and the memories. We had experienced their home going here from earth, but we could not imagine the home coming in glory. But they had some place to go. On this side, we had tears and sorrow. On the other side, the hallelujahs ring loudly. Do you ever spend any time pondering eternity? Do thoughts of the glorious place of heaven ever fill your heart and your mind? I will tell you this, the older I get, the more I consider my place on the other side. And today in our world, I think we're so void of the knowledge of what this planet really is. It's a dress rehearsal of some 70 years vapor time, James called it, of preparation for an eternity that does not end. Let me tell you, I've learned 70 years comes pretty quickly. Jesus told the disciples, I will build a place for you. But what sort of a place would it be? And I want to talk today to, to this congregation, both here in the sanctuary and at home, but I want to talk to those on streaming and those who see this. 
I want you to know that there is a destiny determined for every one of us. We are eternal beings, and we will decide in this short life which eternity we encounter. Sometimes Paul declared about this heaven... And I will tell you that it can be, as Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 13, it can be frustrating to see through the glass darkly. And the more I know, the more I want to know. And the more I know, the more I do not know. But I thank God for a hunger for the Word of God. Because the Word of God gives us insight to that home. I want to talk to you a little bit about heaven this morning, and I know it's right here between Thanksgiving and Christmas, but ladies and gentlemen, I believe the Lord could return before Christmas. Heaven is a place of grand arrival. It's a place of grand reunion. Before my dad passed away on his deathbed, he raised his big hand and he said, son, I'm going to miss you, but I want to see my mom and dad and my brothers sister you know why because there's going to be a grand reunion over there amen hebrews 12 and 1 reminds us of a vast great cloud of witnesses those who have died in the faith knowing jesus christ and accepted him as their redeemer some of my friends are already there listen not everybody makes it past 60 the older you get the more you know that not everybody makes it past 40 We don't know, but some of my friends are already there. This is something I rejoice in now the older I get. There are some people that I've won to Christ who are already there, and we're going to have a reunion. Several years ago when I first moved back to Oklahoma, I'd been gone about 9, 10, 11, 12, about 12, 14 years out of the state, and I went to a minister's meeting down in Ardmore, Oklahoma, and I had come to the altar, and I was praying, and I had a person come up and kneel beside me and put his arm around my shoulder, and I kind of glanced up at him, and I didn't know him. And finally, after a few minutes, he, he said, Pastor, you don't know me, do you? And I looked at him, and I looked at him a couple of times, and he said, I'm Mike. And when he said, I'm Mike, I just went about 12 years before, he was a teenager where I was a youth pastor, And I led him to the Lord, and I had no idea he had graduated and gone to college, and God had called him into ministry. Mike Stewart, I don't know if Quentin remembers him or not. And and I went, oh, my Lord. Just, Just to have that kind of value was important to me. My heroes, a lot of them have gathered there too. Men and women that I want to see. Men and women that I've read about. Those who are of early Christianity that were powerful. And ladies and gentlemen, I will see these heroes. I desire to get to know them. We will have fellowship for ages. Will you follow with me just a minute and let me be this sentimental granny that I am and not judge me harshly and say, Oh, pastor, you're just too much of a dreamer. But I'm going to tell you, this is is true. These are facts. I will because I want to see Moses. I will see Moses. I, I I want to say, Moses, what is it like? What was it like? To stand on Mount Sinai and the power and the the power and the glory of God was so strong. What was it like to have God put you in the crevice of the rock? What was it like to watch the finger of God like a laser carve the commandments on the tablets? What was that like? I would have, one of my heroes in the Old Testament is Elijah. 
I, I want to sit with Elijah and I, I want to know what kind of prayer life it takes for God to say, call down fire out of heaven. Well, what kind of a relationship does it take, Lord? I want to see Elijah to describe that scene on Carmel, Mount Carmel. When the skies opened up with fire, it not only lapped up the sacrifice, but all the water, even the altar and the stones themselves. Can you imagine that? I'm going to ask Elijah. I want to know, describe that chariot of fire to me. What was it like to step up in that thing and go to glory all the way to heaven in that chariot? You say, oh, pastor, I don't believe that. Well, I feel sorry for you. I want to, I want to sit down and talk to Rahab. Pastor Rahab, if you don't know, and if you don't know all these things, look them up. They're great reading. It'll tell you about the glory world. I want to sit with Ahab, uh, Rahab. I want to know what she felt. I want to know what it was like. Rahab, what did you experience when the walls of Jericho crumbled to the ground before your eyes? Yet your house was untouched in that same wall. It remained intact, all because God had made you a promise. I want to ask her what it feels like to be reputed throughout all the ages of being a harlot. Yet it was only the young part of her life. And she gave her heart to God. What was it like to be known through the ages as a harlot? And your name yet, of listed of only four women in the lineage of Christ, your name is there. Listen, I want to tell you why. By faith she looked forward to the Savior who would come and found him. And so can you. I want to talk to Joshua. Boy, I love Joshua. I know what it feels. I, can you imagine following Moses? I mean, this is like a wiener in a steakhouse. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's how he felt. I know the feeling quite well. <laughs> Joshua. What was it like the night before the walls of Jericho fell? What, what did you go through when you began to pray, having taken Moses' place and feeling totally, totally inadequate and totally inferior and praying alone at night, and suddenly the pre-incarnate Christ appeared to you like a flaming blue fire? And suddenly this Christ, when you see him, you said, who are you? You thought it was an angel. Who are you? Are you for me or against me? Listen, do you know sometimes we like God to vote for our side? I said that on purpose. You know, I look at things and I go, Lord, I think they should turn out this way. And God, I do this and I do that. And sometimes my plans don't work out. I want to share something with you. Joshua said, Lord, are you for me or against me? Watch what this captain of the Lord's hosts said. I am here. I am neither. Neither I am the captain of the Lord's host. Can I just stop and tell you something? Ladies and gentlemen, one of the great solaces of my life is that when I don't look, it doesn't look like God agrees with me. It looks like he does or he doesn't. The one thing I know, God has a plan and I'm in the middle of it and God promised to take care of me. I, I can't imagine Acts chapter 9. Can you imagine? I want to know what Paul said. I, I, I want to 
I want to take, Paul, take me down that Damascus Road experience. What was it like to be blinded? What was it like to hear the voice of God and you can't see him? What was it like to be blinded and go and be anointed by Ananias and pray and your sight return because God has an absolute purpose for you to take this word not only to the Jews but to the Gentiles? How many in this room are glad he went to the Gentiles? What was that like, Paul? Let me jump back over to the Old Testament. I want to have a conversation with Job because this is one. We are so fearful because we are afraid of loss. I always say all fear has its basis in some kind of loss. I, I sometimes think, Lord, what am I going to do if the money fails? And I'm not by myself. Lord, what if they blow the economy away? Lord, what if this, what if that? We, we, we do need a sense of security. I want to ask Job. Job, I loved God. I'm here. I made it. But I got to know something. Tell me how you developed such a relationship with God that nothing Satan did moved you at all. You even made the statement at your worst day, if God, my Savior, were to slay me, yet will I trust him. We need some of that faith in today. We need that faith in, no, in December 2020, don't we? And I want to have a conversation with Jonah. I can just hear him. Brooks, I thought I could run from God. Because I thought I could. <laughs> I found out God loved me so much he'd chase me down. Anybody here ever been chased down by the mercy and the grace of God? He loved me so much he chased me down. He loved the Ninevites enough to send me a storm and, and a fish and put me back on chorus and I preach that revival and they all come to the Lord. What a, what, what a story. I want to go with young David. I want to sit down and talk with David. Oh, man. Listen, he's, I don't know if I'm his namesake or he's mine. What was it like, David, to be a young guy and face a giant Goliath? I know this is going to sound a little crass, but let me just say, what was it like? I want to know what it was like to take his 70, 90-pound sword and cut Goliath's head off. You think I'm gruesome? I don't know. I want to know what that was like. Anybody here want to know what it was like? I'm the only one in the house. I want to tell you this book's real. It's real. I want to, one of my favorite places when I was a kid, because I love being outdoors. I want to sit with David and I want to go, when God called you to fight that war, and there were thousands upon thousands and thousands against you, David, that you talked to the Lord and you said, he gave you a promise, I'll go before you, and you said, Lord, how am I going to know I'll send my angels before you. He said, how am I going to know? And I love this. He said, you'll know because you won't see them with your naked eye. 
But you'll hear the sound of the rustling in the mulberry trees when they fly by in front of you. Go do this war. I promise you, you'll win it. Wow, I can't imagine standing at those trees and hearing whatever it sounded like. Ladies and gentlemen, heaven is going to be wonderful. I want you to join me in the homecoming scene. I'm going to read Revelation 7. Look with me, if you will, at verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations and all tribes, peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. John saw that homecoming scene, ladies and gentlemen. I, want, I know that's, I know that's the, the tribulation saints. I understand that. But I want to declare to you this. I fully intend to be present at that meeting. I fully intend to participate in that scene. To be there is my life's number one priority. This world is not my home. When I was a child, a great old song came out. I remember singing it when I was about five years old in Bible school or had some people sing it. And it was popular again a few years ago. It was the song called, I Bowed on My Knees and Cried Holy. The songwriter told of the things that I just mentioned about my heroes of the Old Testament and the New. But he goes on to to describe the moment for which his heart longs the most. The moment that he meets Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about that moment? Think about it a minute. I told my mom the other day, I said, Mom, if I don't see you here again, I'll see you on the other side. And I talked to her on the phone, and she said, I thought about that. And she said, son, I want you to just stop and think something. I said, okay. She said, have you ever thought about how you'd really respond if suddenly we were taken home? The first time you ever see Jesus. It depends on whether I go through the grave or whether I go through the rapture. But I'm going to tell you this. I know me, and I told my mom, I said, I know how I will respond. You do? And I said, yes, I know how I'll respond. I'm going to respond just like John did. When I see him, when I see him, when I see him, I know, I know me. You may jump and get a ukulele and play tiptoe through the tulips. I don't know what you're going to do. But I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow my face. And I'm going to weep for joy. Because I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded he's able to keep anything between now and then. And present me, as Jude said, faultless before the throne of God. That's what I'll do. John tells about another such moment. The saints of the ages are gathered around the throne. We have just sang the song of worship 
of our great God. You are worthy, O God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things for the pleasure, your pleasure they were created. And when we conclude that song, ladies and gentlemen, all of us will see a large scroll in the right hand of God. We'll see this scene. We can clearly see the seals upon it which bind its contents from view and God will have it in his right hand and he'll hold it there and he'll place it toward us as if handing it to us. Over the throne there will be four massive beings called seraphim. They have each have six wings. They're, the wings are covered with eyes and each have a different face. There's a face of a lion, a calf, a man, and an eagle. And now one of the seraphim opens their mouth to speak and with that voice in that throne room that will thunder through the heavenly realm and everyone will hear it because here's the question he will ask who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals thereof and let eternity come and have its finish I looked at that and I go what oh could it be God could it be that God wants one of us to venture across that crystal sea and pass through the seven fiery manifestations of the Spirit of God, past that lampstand, to ascend the throne through the gauntlet of lightning and dare to take the book from God's hand. John tells us by revelation, no man in heaven or in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look there on. And John said, when he saw that scene, he wept because humanity had disappointed him once again. But suddenly, a murmur flows through the assembly. And someone strides across the golden floor of the throne room. Who is this one who seems to represent us all and dares to approach and cross the crystal sea? And a cry pierces eternity, ladies and gentlemen, in that scene. I need to take my shoes off. Because the announcement is this. Behold, that means sit up and pay attention. It is the lion of the tribe of Judah. It is the root and offspring of David. It is the lamb slain from the foundations of the earth. It is God's Christ. He is the only begotten Son of God. And in that glorious moment, I will see him and I will see him as he is. And I think that moment could be just around the corner. For all these years, I have walked by faith. I have walked by this word, and I have walked by faith. When Satan comes in like a flood and dulls my emotions and dulls my thinking and tries to rob me of the glories and the values and tries to replace my my perspective and my value system and get my life all in a different direction and think that what is all this? Why do I believe it? Do I really want to follow this? Is this all really true? And yes, Satan even comes to pastors and says that. I have walked by faith. Can I say looking with spiritual eyesight alone to Jesus Christ? Because he is the author and he is the finisher of my faith. For 
who for the joy that was set before him, he endured that cross, despising the shame, and today is set down by the right hand of the Father. That's the one who purchased me. That's why he's the only one given in heaven and earth whereby men can be saved. Don't try Muhammad, he'll fail you. Don't try the earthly religions, they'll fail you. There is only one name, ladies and gentlemen. It's the name of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. But from that moment forward, I was thinking about this week. This week, From that moment forward, I no longer will live by faith. I will live by sight. Because now I'm an eternal, forever, see him as he is. The dark glass will have shattered to pieces. And I shall know him, Paul said, as I am known. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot even comprehend that. I cannot comprehend the fact that I will know God, Christ, as fully as he knows me. But that's going to be a revelation. How many of you know he's pretty much above us? And that's all if I go through the way of the grave. If I go through the sound of the trumpet... I'm going to hear a trump sound. I'm going to be the hearer of a sound of a voice that says, Behold, the bridegroom's coming. And then we're hearing a command, Go out to meet him. And the scripture says we'll be changed the moment and twinkling of an eye from this mortal body to a spirit body. And we're going to leave this ground. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to see him in the clouds. One way or the other, I'm glad I'm in the household of those that are redeemed. And you can too if you're in Christ. I want to ask you a question. Do you think about that moment? Do you think that at that moment when Christ returns or when I first see him in the glory world, do you think I'm going to be thinking about life back here? Do you think I'm going to be worried about COVID-19 or who got elected and who didn't? I know I'm being a little facetious, but do you believe I'm going to be thinking about any car that I ever drove and I used to worship cars? Nah, not worship, but I liked them. I think you ought to have a Corvette for Tuesday. And a, any car I ever drove... You think I'm going to be thinking about any house I ever occupied or position that I ever held? Do you think I'm going to remember and be concerned about any slight or hurt that I ever felt? Do you think I'm really going to dwell and, and, and keep mulling over through bitterness any wound that's ever been in my spirit? Do you think that I'll ever wonder again what everybody else will think? Can I answer all that? I'm going to answer it. Never. Never. One songwriter said, one glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So let's bravely run the race till we see Christ. My heart is full, ladies and gentlemen, between Thanksgiving and Christmas as I anticipate that I come into Mount Zion, the city of the living God. As I enter into innumerable company of angels, 
to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, to God who will judge it all. I will receive a kingdom which cannot be moved, a mountain that cannot be shaken, a light that cannot be extinguished, and a life that will never end. Time will not permit me to dwell this morning on the physical wonders of heaven, the beautiful walls of jasper, the beautiful streets of transparent gold, the pure river of life that runs like crystal through the, whole, through the city, the golden avenue which is beneath the tree of life which bears its fruit 12 manner 12 manner fruits each year every month and whose leaves provide healing for the nations there will be no more curse the city will not need any light for there will be no night for the lord himself will be the light thereof i just want to stop and say i'm through ladies and gentlemen this morning early you can say thank you later generation 2020 in this sanctuary 2020 on live streaming. There's all kind of questions going through humanity. Uncertainty has been one of the capital words of our nation and the world this year. Can I just tell you something? All the answers to all the questions are found in the author of this book. In spite of the fact that I love this nation, White House, our White House does not have the answers. The Kremlin does not have the answers. Name me anyone you want. If they're outside this book, they don't have the answers. For the most part, we are too earthly minded. And it's easy to get there, isn't it? Isn't it? We we declare our faith and then we see all this... We're too earthly minded. What's it all about? I'm going to finish where I started. I'll tell you what it's all about. It's all about having somewhere to go. Somewhere to go. I want to declare that I know someone who can take us there. Whether in the rapture or homecoming. Either way, I'm going to be all dressed up with somewhere to go. Dressed up in robes of righteousness. Declared in the high court of the universe. Redeemed. My name's recorded in crimson red. Filed in the office of heaven. And Satan can't break in and change it. I know. If you're not in the family. And all of you live streaming that have listened to Hollywood's message and listened to the message of philosophy and listened to all the messages that have tried and tried and tried. They've never changed anything. All the small g gods have all been created by humanity. All the philosophies and the philosophers that had them are gone. But this book is eternal and its author is eternal. And try as you might and try as you will Try all the religions of the world. They're still, I declare it to you, the truth. The truth. The truth. There is only one way. There is only one who paid the price. You can get to this heaven. But ladies and gentlemen, it will be through the Son of God, Jesus Christ. I met him when I was five. I went to an old one-before-slat altar in an Assemblies of God church 
and said, Lord, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to have that same experience because it's been a lifetime of joy.